Welcome to the One Shot Test Kitchen. Today's episode, Umlaut, Game of Metal. Hello, and welcome back to the One Shot Test Kitchen, where we try out indie tabletop RPGs. I'm Mike Kelly, and I am joined by my co-host, April Lynn. Hello. Hello. So, uh, we're... Talking about Umlaut Game of Metal today, which we played a couple days ago with our special guests, Alon Eleven and John Arminio, Arminio, excuse me. Yeah, so I guess before we get into it, we talked a little bit uh, at the end of that episode about our impressions, and uh, they were kind of uh, not glowing. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but uh, I'm, I'm curious. Bad. If, yes. They were bad. Yes, those were bad. I'm curious if your, uh, <laughs> uh, your opinion has changed or not uh, from that. Mm, I don't know if changed is the right word. I did finally, I went back and I kind of read through some of the rule book to see Mm -hmm. if my opinion changed after I looked at the rules themselves. And it's, it's no different. It's, uh, more informed now. (laughs) Uh, My, my critique has more structure to it. Your, uh, your, oh, what's the phrase? Uh, your your wrath is now righteous, I suppose, or something like that. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. For my part, I've I've maybe felt a little bit better about it, but yeah, I think my overall uh, view of that game uh, a couple days later now is still fairly uh, negative. You know, not terribly positive. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about the let's talk about the rule book because like. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know about you, but like the, the rule book is very, like when I was reading it and whatnot, like it is very, very clear that the people who made this game absolutely love metal. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. absolutely no doubt in my mind. Like this isn't like a, someone in search of a theme. Like these are people who really, really enjoy uh, the genre, you know, the, the mm-hmm. culture and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, like you, you, you said this to me uh, while you know you were reading the rule book. Like, oh wait, you know, when you're taking your turn, you're actually rocking out, uh, capital R, capital O, <laughs> uh, and the person you're playing against is your roadie. I kind of uh, elided those rules because I didn't uh, like. You know, every every game's going to have its own kind of vocabulary and whatnot. What is your impression, I guess, of the rule book and like you know the way that it uses those like. Uh, terms from music and the arts to kind of classify that. Would you think it would have made a better game if we had actually used those terms? No, okay. I don't think that that would have saved it. Okay. Um, Just I do sure. think, <laughs> no, that was a joke. Um, I definitely joked to Mike and said, maybe that would have changed everything. And I don't think that was enough. Um, but I do, I appreciate their attempt to add the flavor mm-hmm. with just even little subtle nods like that that are ridiculous. I mean, the game was, is ridiculous and I don't think that it has any illusions of being anything other than ridiculous, or at least that's what they were going for. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were going for that. I never got a ridiculous sense from it. I mean, not, not ridiculous in the slapstick sense, but mm. ridiculous in the, we are, you know, this is a game of metal. It's about making it to the top. Like there's no way that that's not a ridiculous concept. Like let's play a game where you just play in a metal band that's racing to the top. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good concept. Like, it absolutely is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I felt like 
they I think that they assumed that people going into the game would just be excited to tell a story about their up-and-coming metal band and didn't need structure for how to tell that story mm. so much as they just needed structure for how to resolve conflict when it arose. Yeah. And I think that that was a poor assumption. On, not necessarily a poor assumption. I think that there are absolutely people who would go into this mm -hmm. with a D and D minds because D and D by itself doesn't have a lot of structure about how to tell games. If mm -hmm. I remember uh, how to tell stories, yeah. If I remember correctly, it's a lot of mechanics. So I feel like they were probably going at it from that sort of angle of we're going to give you the rules for how to resolve conflict in a unique and different way that applies to the specific kind of stories that we're telling, and the storytelling is up to you. But I think that that fell flat because it's such a different kind of story than your general... A, it's a different kind of story than your we're going to go and in this fantasy world and go into a dungeon and try to find the treasure and kill some monsters and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, but also because the kind of story that they envisioned, the rules don't really give you structure for how to make those conflicts happen. Like, there's no impetus to actually engage in those conflicts. You can play an entire game without having half of the scene types that yeah. exist. As we demonstrated, we never really had a... I don't remember what the type is, but we never had any danger of anybody leaving the band. We never mm. had any interpersonal conflicts between band members. Other, You know, the only conflict was the gigs yeah. themselves. Yeah, I mean, explicitly, um, yeah. I mean, I think they do try to offer a little bit of structure in that, like, there are certain types of scenes with certain mechanics. Like, you know, there is a rehearsal, there is a, uh, a publicity stunt. Like, they do try to offer a kind of scene setting guidance yeah, they, to some degree. They but, did, but 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 it wasn't enough, and there wasn't it wasn't enough. I mean, ironically, there's like nine different types of scenes. It kind of walls you in, and it doesn't give you a good kind of path, like. So the conflicts that would arise in some of these scenes were also like, you know, sometimes they fail or like you, the, you, the conflict goes in such a way that it goes bad for your band, but not in an interesting way. You still get what you want. You like, you will still get the money. Mm -hmm. You'll still get the fan base. You'll just get a little bit of ego, which may come to bite you down, uh, you know, down the line, which is not a bad mechanic, except ego never really did bite us down uh, the line. It was just kind of sitting there and whatnot and the the repercussions and the um the consequences of those failures really didn't come to fruition either in those scenes or at any point during the story i agree with all those statements i thought that it was a great concept that needed a lot more fleshing out in terms of the storytelling aspect of it and that the mechanics themselves even weren't balanced which is weird because like I think they actually did put it because like they're very mechanical and there's certain scenes like, you know, oh, I need cash. So I'll do this scene. So I'm going to get this much. So I think there was some degree of balance in there, but I, I almost liken it to, I wonder if this game wasn't really even intended as in like a tabletop RPG per se. I wonder if it was intended as a party game. I can almost see like, there's a point in, when they're saying like things that you should have, like you should have 
metal music playing. You should have whiskey. You should have like, you know, obviously they're like, you know, not required, but, you know, suggested. And they, I think they wanted to create a, an atmosphere that is very, very light and jokey. Like you're not telling serious stories with this. You're telling, you know, man, if I had, you know, if I could make my concept metal band, like what would it be and blah, 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 blah. Sure. I don't think that there is necessarily a distinction between what you are describing and a role-playing session, because I have, there are role-playing games that we've played some of them that are lighter and more fun. And they call, you know, some that call themselves quote unquote parlor games, but it's Mm. still a story storytelling. Yeah. Except that they went with a very role-play, like mechanically minded Oh, it's just a weird blend of storytelling game that didn't have much guidance for how to tell a story and very mechanical role-playing resolution mechanics that didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like it may not have been playtested. Well, it clearly was not playtested as much or as rigorously as it needed to be, Uh, which is a shame because the idea is super exciting. Absolutely. Which is why I wanted to play it. I do I do want to note also that this game was made I believe in 2009 so it's a fairly old game in like before the uh you know the the, the big modern indie game uh like boom in the tabletop mm-hmm. space so I mean I think they were probably operating out of a milieu that was like an audience that probably wanted more mechanic heavy stuff or at least maybe that was their their calculation but yeah like us looking at it now like to put it lightly it doesn't hold up uh, it doesn't allow for the amount of storytelling that we're, we've become accustomed to in the games that we've been doing here. So let's dive in a little bit, because we are kind of talking a little bit about the mechanics a little bit more broadly. Like, like let's let's dive into that a little bit more in terms of that. So I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, the stats and whatnot, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, but like, like the stats are kind of like resources and whatnot, and... Mm-hmm. You know, the the performance traits were just kind of like, you know, those were closer to like actual you know traits. Mm-hmm. Again, to build it up, it is very, very like, it's almost like looking at an Excel table. It's like, okay, I need cash. So what do I do? Like that first round was like all of us just doing work events um, because like you literally can't do anything until you have cash. And, you know, okay, so then it's like, okay, so what are the needs here? And that I think that might accurately reflect like a kind of battle of the bands kind of board gamey kind of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, like in terms of like the stories that went around it, like okay, how many times can we say we're flipping burgers? Like how many times can we say <laughs> that, you know, like I think Alana's was like, yeah, the, the hair salon and the Sephora's like, you know, she just said like, yeah, we're doing that again. And like, I kept trying to say like, okay, so what happens there? And like, I mean, not to blame her at all, but like, she's like, no, they just, they, they go to work two thoughts about that i definitely when you said board game i was thinking man this would have worked as a card game Mm. you know a cardboard game where exactly resources i hadn't thought about that they were like resources because you needed to get cash in order to get cash you do a job once you've got cash then you can spend it but you don't get much cash so you have to do a job again unless you build up your ego because once you build up your ego the maximum amount of cash you can earn doing a job increases uh but then you have a risk of not doing as well during your gigs because you have a higher ego so it's definitely that balancing game which Mm. was really interesting to me but 
the fact that you have to work so often in order to get anything done. Yeah. Because once you spend all your cash, you're dead until you get more cash, which means you need to do more work. Mm-hmm. And I found the experience of thinking up what would my band members do for work and how could it go well or poorly for them entertaining. Yeah. But clearly not everyone else was thinking that way. It required work on my part to say, okay, how can I make this game better? The way I'm going to make this game better Mm. is by imagining my characters and the situations they're in. And as I did coming up with the names for the songs that I played. um, exactly. Near the end there. So those weren't things that the the rules told us explicitly to do at all. Yeah. Um, Or at least I didn't get that far in the rules. So maybe they did. No, no, they don't. I mean, the way they say to describe scenes is like, you know, it's like, oh, it's just whatever you want. It could be two sentences. Mm -hmm. It can be a paragraph. And it's just like. Yeah, I saw that. And that was, you know, the sentence could be. So our rehearsal is that we're going to go and have a rehearsal (laughs) in our or it can be this long, you know, a whole paragraph of description of what happens. And while I appreciate that low pressure sort of vibe that it's giving off, it also means you end up with a very mechanical game. Yeah, it couldn't decide, do I want to be a storytelling game? Do I want to be a mechanical RPG? Do I want to be a card game? What am I? Yeah. I think you're right in that assessment. Like when you said card game, I'm like, oh yeah, no, absolutely. Like, you know, uh, have something with little uh, tokens and whatnot for, you know, these various little resources and so on and so forth. Like, I think they may have been thinking along those lines, but I think they wanted to add more flavor add more narrative to this, but like the system and the narrative don't really serve each other. It's like, you know, you Mm -hmm. said like, you kept having to add things to the narrative instead of having it come up as part of the gameplay. Like, you know, yeah. But the thing that actually kind of astounded me is that like the, uh, uh, the character sheet has a section uh, for set list. Mm-hmm. That is not a mechanic that is mentioned in the rule book at all. I was wondering about that. That's why I started naming the songs. I'm like, yeah. well, there's nothing to put in set list here. I'd better start naming my songs. Yeah. It doesn't even mention it. No, I mean, I think it says in in the course of the gig, like you you can name your songs, but like it's half the character sheet. Like, why is there? Yeah, I mean, that's why I think it was like this kind of thing where I it's meant to be a party game where you're kind of drinking and having fun and like coming up with cool stuff. I mean, like again, the names of the songs we got at the very end of the game, like you know, uh, 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 demons to pigs, it's a great name. That's fantastic. <laughs> Let's do that. But like. We had to force that. We had to basically say, like, you know, okay, like, let's start doing it this way. And once we started doing that, I'm like, oh, God, why did we not do this sooner? Because it's, like, adding texture and color to this world that, like, you know, we didn't have before. Yeah. Side note, after that, I started thinking, you know, shower thoughts. I was thinking of, okay, what would the lyrics to Demons to Pigs be? And then I texted a friend of mine who's a musician about it and said, yeah, I was coming up with this song by this Christian symphonic goth metal band called Life Wish. And the song's called Demons to Pigs. And he was like, he was laughing. And he said, yeah, that all sounds very believable. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the band you created, like, you know, you know, I'm not a big Christian rock fan, but like, I want to see like a melodic goth Christian song about like the story of Legion. Like, you know, that... Sounds really freaking cool. Like, 
Well, if you take the Christian part out of it, I've absolutely seen bands like that at goth clubs. And then if you add the Christian part in, I'm thinking like, I mean, I don't think Evanescence is Christian, but their songs have kind of that vibe. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely envisioning like an Evanescence type vibe here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with the the strong uh, female vocals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then add Lindsay Sterling with her violin. Oh, Sterling? Sterling? Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays violin. I don't. I don't know violinists, sadly. Uh, but I mean, like, there's room for that in metal. Like, I mean, uh, Alana, her husband, who I've been friends with for a long time, uh, turned me onto an album that is an Estonian metal band that released a concept album about hunting mermaids. Like, it's it's <laughs> so mermaids. it's so bizarre. But it's like you know, but it's good. Like, it's like you know, I mean, I I don't understand it because I don't speak Estonian, but like. You know, you know, the the album art is cool as hell, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's these very angry metal dudes with, like, tridents standing in water. It's very cool. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, this is just kind of, keeps kind of going around. Like, yeah, I think this was meant to be, like, a, like, let's get drunk together, have a good time, not let's tell a serious story. They should have framed it that way, if that was the case, a little bit better, uh, as opposed to. I still don't think it would have been fun, though. I think I think it would have been I think if we had let Alana and John talk more or get like two more Alana's and John and just watch them play like mm-hmm. I think that would have been very very cool because like you know I like hearing people who are really into something talk about something very very much in depth mm-hmm. um and you know the stuff that Alana was saying about you know like oh they're doing these covers of uh was it the Judas Priest song or something like that like yeah, like that's cool. Let's keep talking about that. Let's keep right. Let's do that. But like you and I are not big metalheads. Like I'm a little bit. Like you know again, yeah. but like the stuff I usually listen yeah. to is so. In that yeah. sense, the mechanics really got in the way because they were too complicated. Yeah, they were too. The mechanics were too fiddly. Fiddle, I'm trying to think of the right word, but like they were too present. Like, you know, you were always thinking about them. Like, uh, like you were always thinking, okay, I need this particular point. Like, you know, like in Catan, I need wood. How do I get wood? Um, mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, like I want to tell this story and these mechanics will aid the story. Uh, right. So. Yeah, that's exactly it. They, rather than aiding, they controlled the story. Yeah. A little too much and a little. Yeah, right in front. Absolutely. But here's some things I will say. Even though I said during our recording before that I didn't really understand the card mechanic, why they went with deck playing cards, the I thought about it a little bit more, and I actually really like the... I don't know the how to describe it, um, but I liked that... So with dice, you have kind of one layer. You get a number, and that's it. With the cards, you have the layer, double layer of, you know, red or black... Mm-hmm. And then the values themselves playing into things. Mm-hmm. And I liked that, you know, you determine who wins the conflict one way, but then you determine who actually gets to tell what happens with a different way. Yeah, different different scoring mechanism or whatnot. I mean, you could have done that with dice, I guess, two different colored dice. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's a way that you could have done it, but the cards I think made it easier. So that was interesting. I did like that. I like that kind of conceptually more than in practice, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I like it conceptually. 
in terms of the specific game paired with the mechanics that didn't quite work that were overpowering. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. And obviously playing it on Roll20 with the janky deck of cards that yeah. didn't work half the time was, uh, we'll just say, less than optimal. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, we use the tools we got, folks. Like, I mean, yeah, totally. Cards getting stuck on the screen. I wanted to use Tabletop Simulator, but our guests, you know, I didn't want to have them buy Tabletop Simulator to no. do that. So. No, I think that the way you did it was the best that we were going to do, and it just was what it was. But that did that didn't help matters any. No, no, absolutely. It was not the smoothest way of doing things. But yeah, that being said, uh, the cards was an interesting thing, mm. but again, didn't work. I'm trying to think of like, I think I mentioned this in, in the discussion we had at the end of the episode. Like, what would it have been like if we were playing in person with a deck of cards? Like dealing out 15 cards, counting them, bringing them back in, dealing 15 cards, doing it again. Like, No, I think it would have been fine. Because it's so much easier to just rifle, like, in one hand, rifle through, count out 15 cards, look at them, mm. quickly see, okay, that's the high card. I have seven black cards, done, put them back in a deck. Mm. I think it would have been a lot faster. I think the scenes, I think that having the stat sheets in front of us mm-hmm. and not having to constantly go back and forth between windows and try to fit it all on one computer screen for those of us that are not dual screening it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just clunky and awkward. Yeah. I think that having it in front of us, it would not have improved the game enough to be good, per se. But I think that the scenes would have gone a lot faster. The, the mechanical part of the scenes would have gone a lot faster. Yeah. And I think that maybe it wouldn't have been quite as overwhelming. Because we wouldn't... Like, I think part of the problem was Ilana had closed that window that had all of the different kinds of scenes Mm -hmm. and nobody knew how to open those back up. Yeah. I figured it out halfway through the game that they were in the resource, like the assets tab of roll 20, not in the document drawer, which I'm not even sure they knew about the document drawer, but that all led to a less than optimal, even for the game experience. Yeah. And and those sheets were essential. Like, I mean, cause like, yeah, you need to know the mechanic, like you need to be able to look at all of those nine different scenes and they're like, okay, which do I want to do here? You have to have those on hand. Like there are two cheat sheets in the back of the Umlaut book uh, that I had to basically like copy over into Roll20 to make sure we had. It had to be readily accessed. It was a, like a menu that you had to have open at all times, sadly. Right. Uh, and I think like before we uh, move on from mechanics, like the the other thing I wanted to talk about was the uh, the gig uh, mechanics because that's kind of a unique mm, thing mm-hmm. and that came with a unique deck uh which right. turns out very hard to get a unique deck into uh roll 20 as it turns out but uh it got in there eventually <laughs> again i think it probably echoes a lot of the other stuff we've been talking like the mechanics were front and center not the story and not the mm-hmm. like the indicate you know the the implications of those cards okay what is a solid performance what can you say about it like a ballad, you can kind of like, all right, I'll make up a ballad or, uh, you know, uh, shred is going to, or, uh, face melter is going to be like, you know, a very you know, musically intense scene and showboating is something right. big, you know, you could do and you can kind of role play it, but solid performance. Like, what do you say about a solid performance? Like it was, I play okay. a song, I play a song and <laughs> I play really, it well. It's fine. It's a good song. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand what they were going with all those cards, the statistics, 
know, on the one hand, you have a higher prob- chance of losing the gig, but if you do win, you have a higher chance of getting a lot of glory. Is that the, the temporary stat they yes, were using? glory. Yeah. And on the other hand, you had a really good chance, a better chance of winning the gig, but your glory wouldn't be very high if you did. And then one that's just kind of a round the board even, and then I don't know what a showstopper was because I didn't have a chance to ever use one. Uh, showboating, not showstopper. Showboating, right. Yeah, uh, eh, same thing. I, kind of, actually, yeah. <laughs> was that just better than a a solid performance? Yeah, I think it was like a four and a four for each one. So a four in tech, not technique, four in poetry, poetry. and a four in shred. Shred. And you could only use it once and blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, that's Ozzy biting the head off of a bat. Like, you know, that's like something, you know, big and insane. Yeah. If if there was a narrative that we could build around those gigs, because I think the gigs could be like a, like those, those are like a rubber meet the road moment. Like mm-hmm. those are like, okay, everything you've been doing, let's see how it goes. And you're in competition with the band, which is a weird mechanic. But like, what is the story of that gig? I think there could be a better way to show like how a gig goes. Like, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a competition, but I guess for the mechanics that they have brought together, like you need to be in competition with somebody to do it. I think that it could have worked better as a two act game where the first act you are building up your fame and rehearsing and getting fans. And, Mm. and then the second act is now you go on tour yeah. And we'll see what happens with all the work you did in the first act. I mean, you could do it, I mean, almost straight up anime, like Battle of the Bands kind of thing, or, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's at this big uh, festival or something like that. Now I kind of want to take a different setting that's more anime themed and mm. turn it into a Battle of the Bands game. <laughs> I'm, that's got to exist. I mean, we say this a lot. It's got to exist, right? If it doesn't. Yeah. And make it exist. I mean, I do know of one anime that is explicitly that is an anime called Beck. It is a literally about a rock band in Japan, uh, like forming and all that kind of stuff. It's very, very good. You should go watch it. One season, uh, thirteen mm. episodes. Uh, okay. Uh, weird, uh, weird uh, Japanese voice actors trying to sing Beatles songs. It's very cool. Um, <laughs> okay, that sounds fun. But yeah, like the gig was kind of a missed opportunity and like, which is a disappointing, like, yeah, I think, I think you're right. A different kind of structure to put more emphasis on it, as opposed to just part of the normal flow would have created a lot more tension. No, there was no direction. It was, well, just do a gig when you feel like, I mean, we were basically like, well, I don't know what to do now. So I guess we haven't done a gig yet. Let's do a gig. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whereas even something like fiasco, there's mechanics driving you forward mm-hmm. to tell a specific story. And this had no yeah. no direction in that in that way. There was no story structure. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or extremely, extremely limited. It's like, you know, it's one of the nine things you can do on your turn is set up a gig. And no indication of, well, so you didn't go with the book's mechanics on how you decide when the game is over. So I sort of did. Um, okay. So they provide two things. They say essentially um, the game ends after a certain time frame, straight up. They suggested three hours. I just picked two because I did want to be, you know, we record late at night. I didn't want to go that long. Right. 
And the other one is when someone reaches a certain level of fan base. Mm. I didn't do that because I don't know. I didn't know going in how quickly we could get to that level of fan base. Do you remember what the level was? Uh, they say 11. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I was at seven. Yeah. When we got to the end, and, and that was pretty good, but I, I was glad that we were done. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I think another hour we probably could have gotten to someone hitting 11, but. We could have, but that would require another hour of playing. Yes. Uh, and, and like, I think half hour to an hour in, I think we all were like, this is not great. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we, we stopped it when we did. Uh, but speaking of the the end game, uh, you, mm-hmm. you mentioned this at the very, very beginning that you were interested that this game had a win condition. Uh, what did you think of the win condition at the end? So I wouldn't necessarily, I don't like that it had a win condition. Okay. I think that the goal should have been, and maybe this is just me coming from a more storytelling focused viewpoint, but. The goal should have been to tell a good story, mm. whether it means that your band goes on to glory or your band shrivels and dies and fades into oblivion. Either one of those can be a good story. Mm-hmm. Labeling one as a win and the other one as a loss, to me, diminishes the game's potential. I think it means that you're focusing more on the competing aspect and less on and and again, maybe that's what this game was designed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, it, it seems like it was, but I think that the game's potential to be a mechanic, a, a mechanism for telling and playing an interesting game, telling an interesting story about a metal band versus a game where you go in to win or lose. If you're going to do that again, make it a card game. Yeah, I don't think that making it a storytelling game with character sheets is the way to go at that point. Yeah, because like when when the end hit, it just hit. Like, you know, it wasn't, there was no story structure to it in like, you know, you know, introduction, rising action, crescendo, uh, what's what's Mm -hmm. the climax and then denouement. Yeah. I can absolutely envision a game where you have decks of cards that include different kinds of jobs and Mm -hmm. different styles of songs and even including rules about, hey, when you do a gig and you're playing cards, one of the rules is you name the song before you play your song card. Yeah. That would still add that flavor, but instead of it being focused as a role-playing game, mm. it would be a fun game about making a metal, a fun, fast-paced game about making a metal band where your goal is to get to 11 fan base, and you do that through these various mechanisms. Like, it just screams card game to me. Yeah. I think that's a very astute observation. Like, I, I think this would be served better by being a card game and leaning... You know, not trying to put narrative on it, but like the mechanics are the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Encouraging some narrative in there. Yeah. Oh, no. To add flavor to the game. And again, make it exactly what you're saying. A party game that you you sit around a table with this, these decks of cards. You make up some silly band names. You add some band songs or song names in there. You play until somebody gets to 11 points. Somebody wins. And that's that. Yeah, I, I agree. It probably wouldn't be a game that I would play because that's <laughs> not my style of game. I would play it once because it's a funny concept. Yeah. I probably also wouldn't play this game again. That's true. I mean, I can see this being like a, like a, you see this at like a PAX uh, booth, it, like they're selling it for like five, 10 bucks and like, oh yeah, no, I'll do that. It might be good for a fun little, you know, let's see how this game plays. 
Yeah, but as a card game, there are people who would play this sort of game for sure. Oh, yeah, sure. And, you know, there are people who love those sort of light, silly, fun card games that I find intolerable. (laughs) I won't name any names, but they exist, and it would definitely have a market, especially for your metal-loving friend. Oh, absolutely. Not not your metal-loving friend. Anybody's generic your metal-loving friend. The royal you. You mentioned like it and like, you know, one of those like card games. Like I have a I have a game that I picked up on an absolute joke for like five dollars at PAX East is a game called Kittens in a Blender. I've played it. Yeah. No, I played Exploding Kittens. Kittens in a Blender is different. Yeah. Kittens in a Blender is different. It's not a mechanically complex game. It's it's about putting cats in a blender, as you might expect. But like the art is good. And it's like, it's good for a laugh for like five minutes. I got $5 worth of play out of it. It was fine. Like, you know, that's all I ever really want out of it. And I think that turning Umlaut into a card game would like, I think, set the expectations a little bit differently for what we get out of it. Um, And yeah, it would be, like you said, one of those games that people would play and probably enjoy um, if it was that. But like here, it's trying to serve all masters and uh, saving none of them. Yeah. Now, from a practical standpoint, it would be way more expensive to produce a card game, to distribute sure. a card game, to market a card game, than to make a PDF and sell it on Drive Through RPG. It's easy for us to sit here and say, "Yeah, just make a card game and sell it for five bucks." Like, it's not that easy. I mean, you could make a print and play version. You could make a print and play version. That's true. That's my advice. Go make this into a card game. All right. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll get back. Uh, we'll come back, and we'll talk a little bit more about Umlaut. And we're back. All right. Uh, so we've been kind of talking all around this stuff a little bit. You know, uh, we we just kind of deep dove into mechanics and whatnot. But uh, with regard to narrative, I mean, yeah, I think we, we've kind of set our piece on that as well. Like, Didn't exist. I mean, I mean, it existed, but not in the way you wanted it to. I was happy with how my, band, my narrative went. Yeah. But a lot of that was just us being familiar with role-playing games and... Having done enough of these episodes that we were determined to not waste our guests' time. I mean, yeah, there were there were times when I was just kind of like, let's. Just, I'm like, you know, okay, like, oh, you know, we work, and I'm like, okay, uh, uh, what does that look like? You know, like paint the scene, and because <laughs> I was trying to, like, you know, they they were following the rules of the game, and they did exactly what they needed to do. But I'm like, there's no narrative here. There's no story here. I at least wanted some texture, some like, you know something here to make it a little bit more interesting but like yeah you you really did have to force it yeah and i think the only bit of storytelling we really did was at the end uh you know the epilogues what happens next i tried to paint it so my band like you know you know they started getting ego very early and whatnot so i'm like okay so they're becoming assholes they're becoming like those pretentious assholes. what did you expect with a game called tundef uh tone deaf yeah it was it was spelled ton deaf no no no. so there should be like an umlaut above o in tone but then so. it would have been tune tune oh, deaf okay details details like <laughs> this is this is metal we can align some of those rules a little bit also don't blame me i'm that was- just saying that when you spell the name of your band that's supposed to be tone deaf t-o-n mm. you're just setting them up to be assholes so that was the actual name of my brother's band growing up. So, uh, oh no, 
Uh, I'm so sorry, Mike's brother. No, you're good. probably not an asshole. Some of, to be fair, some of the people uh, were jerks. I mean, they were teenagers. Of course, they were jerks at that time. Right. Uh, my brother turned out okay. Uh, still a big metalhead, but you know, also living in suburbia. You know, <laughs> has uh, three kids, that kind of thing. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's. I would love to see your band. Like, what does like the idea of a former melodic goth metal uh, singer who becomes a youth pastor is a brilliant (laughs) character idea. Like I would love to see that in a better setting, like, and you know, uh, something like that, but like, well, maybe I will revisit it in future games. Yeah. I mean, like if we do a real thing like that, like a, like a a more in-depth thing, I think that could be a fantastic character. If that would be in another, be literally fair, another game. I'm pretty sure that that's not a out there idea at all. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, that's why it's so good, because it is like a realistic character. You can absolutely see that path. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you said something that kind of struck me. as like, yeah, the, the pastor with like all the tattoos that he, you know, doesn't really talk about, but he's got them and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you can Oh, tell. I didn't say he didn't talk about them. I just said that they were left over from his metal days. Oh sure, I mean, it doesn't make a doesn't make a point of showing them off. I meant like uh, I'm thinking of like a lot of people I knew growing up who would like get tattoos to that look awesome and blah, and they just show it off at like a moment's notice. Oh yeah, yeah. But someone later in their life was like, yeah, I got it. You know, I'll tell you the story about it, but like I'm not going to be like put it right. in your face kind of thing. Yeah, I'm envisioning a youth pastor who's like, I mean, I'm cool. I've got all these tattoos. I'm not ashamed of them. But also, I didn't get them. To be, well, at the time I got them to be cool, but now I'm better than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've kind of toned down a little bit. I'm not as, you know, arrogant as I used to be. Now I'm just a chill dude who wants to teach you about Jesus. Absolutely. We need to find a game where that character can exist. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, narrative. I think we're like, uh, we're on the same page that way. Agency. I had it only because I manufactured it. Yeah. Yeah. Or other on the other hand, I had too much agency and I wanted a little bit less. In terms of like in terms of structure, like we talked about. Mm, too many options kind of thing. Too many options with no real reason other than the that loop of do work to get money, yeah. spend that money on in one of two or three different ways, then go back to work again because you spent all the money you made. Then go and do another thing, rinse and repeat until you win. Yeah. In in terms of agency, like it seems like you are kind of married to that core gameplay loop and you can't really escape it. Which, to be fair, is kind of the story of life, right? You work so that you can do things. And if you are working to make your metal band a thing, you get to work, you get to spend that money. Okay, now you don't have any money because your gig didn't make a lot of money, so you need to work again. Like it's realistic. It felt that aspect of it felt true to life and just reminded me of the slog that is life. That's depressing, but, but accurate. (laughs) Um, I I mean, like, but again, like this is also a fantasy. Like, you know, I wanted to see something where like you could earn more money from doing shows or, you know, or or, like transition that way. Uh, And like, that wasn't really an option. Like you, you still had to go back and, you know, flip burgers. Like you still yeah, had to no, do that. going back and doing the demeaning jobs over and over and over again. It just wasn't fun. Yeah. 
There was no fun to be had in that, okay, I can envision an entertaining way that this goes poorly for my character or is really frustrating for my character. And that was fun the first time. Um, the second time I was like, okay, but then I realized I'm just going to have to keep doing this over and over and over again. Yep. And at that point, it's like grinding in an MMO. You don't want to do it. You do it because you have to to progress. Yeah. For something that I'm only going to be playing for two or three hours, yep. I want it to be way more epic. More, more highs instead of just the grind. Like like in a game like WoW or like Final Fantasy XIV, like you're grinding gold to get to get a mount or to get something that allows you to do the, to do the next cool thing. Yeah, there's an amazing payoff at yeah. some point. Whereas this had no payoff not really no like i i mean maybe the payoff was meant to be the gigs but like that wasn't the much of a payoff. a payoff yeah no yeah in fact the gig was even less satisfying because it was even more mechanically driven yeah than the other things yeah yeah three rounds like going up against yeah no totally it's mm. Okay, what's our last category, Mike? Uh, effectiveness in the game and getting its themes across. Uh, I. It could have been more metal. It could have been way more metal. Like, I think this game wants to evoke, like, the idea of, like, you know, what it's like to build a band up from nothing and become rock gods. And I'm like, again, that grind. That sort, feeling sort of, of you start from nothing, you got to climb up, you got to do a lot of demeanor. And it even says in the rule book, from what I read, like any job, like your work, mm. it gives a long list of like, here are the sorts of work that your characters might do, anything that's mi- mildly demeaning. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's true. But yeah, it got that across. It got the, you got to grind to get where you're going. It did not get the fame and glory and actual energy of metal none of that came across not yeah. really there's there's no scene where you get discovered by a, a producer like there's no scene where you have a crowd stumbles across you at a at a uh at a gig you're playing or something like that and they come wild fans there's no there's no scene where like there's no scene where you make it big like you know there's no climax yeah. to and we the could grind. have invented all those things but yeah, I want a game to kind of hold my hand and guide me through that process. Yeah. Because that's what the rules are there for, right? Yeah. Without the rules, uh, I might as well just tell a story with my friends around a bonfire. I don't need mechanics Yeah, to make it work. Yeah, I mean, I, and also those mechanics are not tied to, like, what does Fanbase 7 mean? Like, you know, like... Yeah, there was no scale, and, and and I think one of the one of our guests was asking, okay, what does cash one mean? Yeah. I think it was Ilana, yeah, trying to figure out, you know, comparatively how much cash do I need to spend to do this thing? Uh, and there was no scale. There was no thing saying cash one is like the price of a pizza, and cash four is a Lamborghini. Yeah. It was completely arbitrary. It was arbitrary and you didn't feel any of it. Like, you know, like, oh, right. I I gained three audience. Does that mean I get three fans? Does that mean I'm three times as big as I was before? Yeah. And like, like, so, and that doesn't communicate like the difference between people just kind of watching you at a, at a gig and people like in the pit in front of you at a show you're headlining. Like screaming, throwing that underwear on stage. Exactly. Like there's none of that. And you know, the mechanics don't allow for that, like, or they don't facilitate that, I should say. 
Yeah. Which is really, really disappointing. Like it just gets like just adding stats, numbers to numbers to numbers until you reach an arbitrary stopping point And now your numbers are what you are. Well, now I'm feeling really sad about this review (laughs) and uh, this game because I think we both wanted it to be really great. Yeah, I I was something Alana said early on is like, you know, you know, I've never played a game that takes place within the arts. And I'm like, that's true, actually. Like a lot of the conflict game conflict stuff that we've done has been like, you know, explicitly combat or like, you know, there are uh, conflict mechanics that are, uh, you know, very, very external social dynamics or something like that. But mm-hmm. there really hasn't been like building your way up through a discipline or an art uh, that we've really done. And uh, hopefully I was hoping this would do that. And it certainly didn't. And yeah, I, don't, I mean, I kind of I've kind of reached a point. I'm like, I don't want to talk about this game anymore. It's 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 sad. I think like the my final thing is like stuff that we've just been repeating. Like this could have been so good and it was not. That's, I mean, that's just kind of my view on it. I'm, I'm assuming yours is somewhat similar to that. What are your final thoughts on Umlaut, I guess? I don't have any. I mean, I. it's just repeating what I've said before. Cool concept, poor execution, would make a great card game. Mm. And that's it. That's it. I, I, I don't think there's really anything more that needs to be said, quite frankly. I'm still, I'm still going to brainstorm demons to pigs no absolutely like i think the stuff that we came up with to make this game better were really really cool and like i'd want to continue those thoughts somewhere uh we'll have to find a way and to if do i that. write the lyrics to demons to pigs one of you should write music for it i can't write music to hell but samara will absolutely sing it um there's no two by one of you i meant one of our listeners oh yeah why not we'll put the lyrics and such on patreon how's that like mm-hmm. you know Maybe we'll get some like fan filk or something like that. That'd be nice. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so that's, that's going to be it for this episode of the one shot test kitchen. Uh, if you are interested in getting your own copy of Umlet game of metal, uh, it is available on drive through RPG for $10. April Lynn, uh, where can people find you online? Online. You can find me on Instagram at a L C A O U E T T E. Uh, I haven't been posting much there lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find me on lovethynerd.com and in any of the social media areas that are linked to on that website. And that's about it. And yeah. what about you, Mike? Where can people find you? Uh, I am on Twitter at GalenBlade, G-A-L-E-N-B-L-E-D-E. Uh, Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OSTK Podcast. Uh, If you have any comments or questions for us or suggestion for games that we can play in the future, maybe where we can play a goth uh, metal youth pastor, uh, please drop (laughs) us a line at OSTKPodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Patreon at patreon.com slash OSTK Podcast. And also, if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review on your podcast service of choice. It does help other people discover the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. I mean, it just goes to show that the arts are pointless. We both have humanities degrees, April. Let's not go down there. Yeah. And and what did we get for jobs? Okay, let's...
let's not get into that because then that's just like even more depressing. 